With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome everyone to the Never the New York Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host TJ, and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me, and uh, thank you TJ for messing up the name of our podcast again. Very appropriate. <laughs> I'll be honest, Grump. Uh, I'm at least guaranteed for one mess up in every single introduction. And now that we do our live streams, I'm messing up at least once every single introduction. That's good. And did you get a haircut this week? I did. Um, I did. I got sheared. I know my hair was getting a little long and bushy in the back, so I had to go ahead and get it trimmed down a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm just at polar opposites. You know, I have to get, I get it long and then I get it short and I have that very, very small in between time period to where uh, it's the perfect length. <laughs> well, I'm going to say you're not going to have to worry about getting another haircut for a while. I, I can't say that. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. I didn't, uh, I didn't know if, I didn't know if perhaps uh, they would get ready, but if they had the death penalty in Arkansas uh, where you live. So I wasn't aware. I thought maybe you did some type of crime and they were going to strap you into the chair or something. I don't know. They've got to go ahead and put the water on the side of my head, right? In order to zap me quicker. Right, like the Green Mile, you know, they put the little sponge on there and, you know, for that good connection. So, looking good. <laughs> a grumpy old man, there was a lot of news for not just the NHL this week, for the Islanders, and then for possible future implications of what hockey looks like going forward for this year. Yeah, we have a very interesting podcast today. Uh, not all Islanders specific, but that's okay. But everything affects the Islanders in one way or another. So, yeah, that, that is for sure, grumpy old man. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's uh, and we'll get to it a little bit more later. But the New York Islanders, right? Devon Taves signs a deal four years, four point one per. And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but it kind of makes you wonder what type of money Ryan Pulak's going to get if Devon Taves is getting a deal four years, four point one million per. And it tells me really good players are still getting paid, regardless of the salary cap situation, the way it is going to be flat for the next three years. Um, that very interesting, very interesting. Uh, yeah, grumpy old man. And and uh, again, as always, the new uh, I guess you could say the new segment we've been with here is Paige's Word, and that's where Paige gets to jump on and I guess educate myself and the grumpy old man. And you get to watch the viewers and the listeners at home get to watch myself and the grumpy old man make a fool of ourselves trying to decipher the new language and dialect that people do use. So we're going to go ahead and add Paige in here real quick. Hey, guys. Hi, Paige. 
Hold on, Grump. I didn't even notice. Is that a retro Islanders jersey you have on right now? Yes, it is. It is the old fisherman jersey, which I know have been vilified by many people in the Islanders community, but I always liked it. And I've had the jersey since the first year that they had. I don't know what year it was, 97. I don't know. I don't remember the year. But I always thought the logo was cool. And I still I still like it, obviously. People either love or hate the fisherman logo, grumpy old man. I personally like it too, and I like that you're bringing back the retro. It does and it does look like the Gordon's fisherman. Uh, the Gordon's Fisherman, and there was a old uh, frozen food, frozen seafood uh, in your deli, in your you know grocery store, and it, I have to say it did look like them a little bit, but I still I still enjoy. It. I like the jersey. I like the logo. I'm I'm big on logos though. <laughs> I know we were rambling a little bit, but Paige, I want to know what word we have for today for Paige's word segment. Okay, so my word today is actually I think if I would assume you'd get a word. I think it would be this one. I uh, chose something a little more festive for celebrations. It's Halloween today. So, you know, college kids potentially going out. I just wanted to use this this word. So the word I'm using is lit. Lit. Does lit. that mean like getting drunk? Like, yo, man, you're lit. Something like that. You can actually use that in that connotation. There's actually two different things you could use it as. And one is getting drunk as a connotation. TJ, did you know the other one? I was about to say, like, when you get late, usually I assume you're talking about drinking in some capacity, partying. So I think Grump is actually right there. <laughs> yeah, that one. The other way you could use it is this party is lit. As the party is like a rager, it's awesome, it's like, you know, 10 out of 10 fun. <laughs> 10 out of 10 fun, Grump. You know, I thought she was going to pull a word like trick out. And I would think, you know, I would think, you know, like that's like uh, like a hooker is like a trick, you know, <laughs> prostitution. And I thought I, I that's what I thought she was going to do for Halloween. I said, I could get that one. Well, I was trying to say a little more clean than that one. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, it is a word. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Paige. I do appreciate it. I'll tell you, lit is probably the easiest word we've had so far. I knew what lit was. A grumpy old man knew what lit is, and that's more impressive. Well, but it wasn't the definition that Paige had. I think she makes up half of these definitions, even if we get them right, just to make us look bad, because that's the type of person I think she is. You'll never know. I guess Paige, in honor of Halloween, decided to treat us with an easy word <laughs> as opposed to try to trick us. Oh! <laughs> Do you know how corny I just felt with that? Pretty yeah. good. Paige, I have a question. I've already mentioned TJ's haircut on the podcast. What do you think about TJ's hair and the length thereof? I uh, learned that apparently I need to go to his appointments with him to ensure proper haircutting. I think you're 100% correct on that. We had to move back our wedding date, and I'm really glad that this was not right before the wedding, or we would have had some major issues. So I'll yeah. tell them, since our new wedding date is off until May, I'll let this one slide, and from here on out, I'll have to attend the next few to make sure proper hair for the wedding day. I think that's a wise, wise choice indeed. Mm -hmm. See, Paige, I know you don't interact with Grump and I enough because I thought that was going to be an easy avenue and they're trying to grill me that we had to push back my wedding day because my haircut was so bad. So, no, no, I don't, you know, don't want to put you down too much. People have, <laughs> have the perception I'm nice to you. We'll just, oh. let every, 
We'll just let everyone else assume that's the reason why. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Paige, for jumping on and giving us the word lit for today and our new word of the day and Paige's word. Yeah, we'll have fun. <laughs> All right, we'll do. Bye. All righty, Grumpy. Now, oh, we do have a comment here from Two Minutes of Pessimist sticking here talking about the jersey. He said, it's worn with pride. It's a scar that we're proud of. And I, <laughs> I do like that. I do like that analogy there for the Fisherman logo. <laughs> I like it too. I, I don't think, I, I guess like people don't like it, I guess, because of the time that it's associated with. But I, honestly, it is a really, really neat and interesting looking retro jersey. And it's going to be interesting to see, right? I know Mikey, uh, our friend from the Islanders meetup there, and, and uh, he hosts the uh, Bar Down Breakdown podcast for the uh, the Hockey Podcast Network. He came out with a very scientific poll asking Islander fans what retro jersey they like the most. And it was very, uh, I wouldn't say it was heated, but it was definitely a contested Twitter post because people love or hate the fishermen. So it's, it's definitely always nice to see both sides argue about it. Yeah, okay. But my whole thing is, what is what's the other option for, you know, alternative jersey? The black and white cookie NY? I mean, that was miserable. I, that, that is the exact that's the exact hypothetical situation he posed. Oh, okay, because I mean that's horrible. And I'd love to see the bring them back. Like, I remember when they introduced this jersey, it was during the playoffs. The Islanders did not make the playoffs. And I think Milbury just became the general manager. And Bill Clement was commenting, he thought it was the coolest logo ever. He was calling the NHL games. And uh I mean, he used to play for the Flyers, so I guess I should have taken that with a grain of salt. Uh, but like I said, I've I've always liked that logo. I just always have with the you know the uh, with the uh, what do they got on the sleeves? The, the lighthouse. It's yeah, lighthouse. lighthouse on the sleeves. I always thought it was. I always thought it was cool. Yeah, certainly, Grumpy Old Man. I've always liked it, too, but I guess we're one of the odd ones or one of the ones that are not vehemently against the logo. Uh, that being said, Grumpy Old Man, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but Devontae is receiving four years, $4.1 million per. Good for him. I'm happy he got paid. And I think, as we've talked about before, he's going to put up really, really solid numbers there in Colorado. He's going to be able to forecheck more often. He's going to have a more offensive-minded team where that offensive acumen, it's going to come. It's going to come in more use there in Colorado than it would for the Islanders. So I think he's going to put up good numbers. That being said, grumpy old man, that's quite a contract he got. I mean, we were talking about how much would Devontae's receive. We talked about this before they resume play and before the playoffs happened when we had that weird hiatus from the NHL, we were thinking maybe 3.5 and here he is getting 4.1. Yeah. And you know, the thing is he earned that with only playing the NHL for a year and a half. Uh, I think it shows you, and I think you're hundred percent right. He is a perfect fit for the way they play in Colorado. I think he's going to put up big numbers. He's going to be on their second de defense pairing. McCarr is going to be on the first pairing. Uh, but then, you know, he'll certainly be able to rush the puck up more than, uh, than he was able, was allowed to do here. Uh, you know, he does have his defensive lapses, but when you have a firepower that Colorado has, um, I don't think it's going to hurt them. And, and like I said, I don't think he was abysmal defensively, but I think his app, his, uh, mistakes were more noticeable on the Islanders because everyone plays such a solid style. That said, I think playing the Islanders system in the long run 
is going to benefit him playing in Colorado because he knows how to play a defensive game, have a solid defensive game, as well as the offensive acumen that he has. I, like I said, I like Devontae's. I'm, I wish we would have got something instead of draft picks uh, for him, but uh, I think he's going to be a fantastic fit in Colorado. It just makes them really, really strong. Yep, and two Mesa Pessimist sticking also supporting that thought process. I do think he's going to flourish there in Colorado's system. And remember, Colorado scores a lot of goals, a lot of goals. And the Islanders, the last two seasons, we haven't scored a lot. And he still had good point production, right? He was number two on the team for defensemen in point production last season. And he was tied for the top point producer on the defensive side of the puck for the Islanders this year in the playoffs. I think in Colorado, he's going to put up good numbers. That's for sure, grumpy old man. He got paid. He got paid for, I think, what what the Avalanche uh, think he'll produce. Yeah, and I always felt that uh, Colorado was the best team in the West last year. They just had so many injuries when they got back, uh, you know, in the bubble. Um, you know, they lost Grubauer, and I, I thought that was a huge loss, and they lost, um, I think, Landeskog was hurt for a while. They had quite a few injuries which I think derailed their Stanley Cup dreams for this year. But they're a team, they're a team to watch for next year for certain. But now I have a question for you, right? Yeah. If uh Devontae's is worth 4.1 a year, what's Ryan Pulak worth? Yep, that is that's the crux behind it, right? What is Ryan Pulak's worth if Devontae's, who's only played effectively a year and a half of hockey, um, is worth, you know, 4.1? I, I have to think Pulak's around the neighborhood. I'm talking Bare minimum, grumpy old man. Bare minimum, 5.5. I think he would be more closer to 6. But I'm talking bare minimum, 5.5. He's got an arbitration hearing um, this week coming up. And I think he's going to get more than that. I think he's 6.5, maybe close to 7. He's he's the number one defenseman on one of the best defensive teams in the league. And he's a two-way player. I mean, I... I, th- I think the sky's the limit for him salary-wise. I really do. And I know they don't want to go to arbitration, but then it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Give him a two-year deal, and then he's right – or maybe three, and then he's right back and he's an unrestricted free agent in three years? Is that the path you want to take? I mean, you know, it is what it is at this point, but the mistakes of the past continue to punish us right now. Yeah, grumpy old man. It's, it's definitely um... – it's going to be interesting to see how the arbitration goes. Um, you hope and pray he's not going to be getting over six million, grumpy old man, because we do not have, we're not ample and lush with cap space. And you talked about this on our podcast prior, grumpy old man. All the teams that did have that available cap space and could take on extra toxic assets and bad contracts, they have already started doing so. And I always look at it like this. I think Arthur Staple did a good job with his analogy, or maybe it was you, Grumpy Old Man, who gave him this analogy. I can't remember. It was me. It was me. I think he listens to this podcast because he parrots whatever I say, particularly when it comes to this subject. Because, uh, I mean, I, I've said it the last two podcasts. You know, you want to wait and wait and wait, and Lamarillo likes to wait and wait and wait. Well, guess what that means? That means that all those teams that were willing to – do whatever they had to dump salary cap. There's only so much salary cap space uh, uh, left, right, for all these teams. Detroit 
maybe has $10 million or 10 to 15 left, but they have like 20 or 21 contracts, NHL contracts. So what are they going to be taking on? Same thing with Ottawa. The Devils are maybe the only team who can put, and this was from Arthur Staples article. uh, You know, they only have 15 guys under contract uh, and they still have ample capital where they could take somebody on, but that's it. And like I said, it's like musical chairs. If you're the last one, you're going to get stuck with the Johnny Boychucks and the Andrew Lads and the Leo Komarovs and all the other garbage that makes too much money on this team and doesn't produce anything. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. I don't think that's inaccurate. I do think, again, we do have draft capital, and you talked about it. it was unfortunate that we had to go ahead and trade Devontae's essentially for two second-round picks and acquiring draft capital. My whole thing is, right, why – at the time, why did we trade it for those, right? It was so we can dump some of these toxic assets. And as you remember, I was hot under the hot under the collar, uh, you know, saying, well, why haven't we done that? Well, now you're seeing why I was hot under the collar. I hate being right all the time. You know, it's just frustrating. It's grumpy. I will say this much. We still do have time left in free agency. Um, we do have draft capital and assets. We can pair up with some of these bad contracts to get rid of them. Um, as to moving forward of how we're going to go about doing so will be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'll be watching Lou Lamarillo. Certainly. Um, it's, it's a time period. We definitely need Lou Lamarillo to be a stud general manager and make sure he can offload some of these contracts because if Pulak gets 6 million or thereabout, and again, who knows how long of a contract he's going to receive. What does that mean for Matt Barzal, right? I mean, we still have to sign back Matt Barzal this offseason too. Now, remember, we can go 10% above the cap in the offseason, which that's great. But then what are you going to have to do? Let's say let's say you, let's say say you he gets $7 million and Barzal gets 8.5 or 9, right? Then you're going to have to somehow manage to shed $5, 6000000 million off the cap Maybe seven, uh, maybe even seven. What are you going to do? Are you going to have to give up next year's first round draft pick too? I mean, there's just so many things, you know, that that have to happen for that. I just, uh, I'm just frustrated, and I have been for a long time. But I'm trying to remain calm, trying to remain rational. It is a struggle for me sometimes, but I am trying my darndest today not to lose my mind. Well, grumpy, you are always grumpy and frustrated and angry. So I think it only fits your character. Um, we do have a comment here from David also saying that, uh, hey, grumps, hey, grumpy, lots of wheeling and dealing in Islanders country here as of recent. I don't know. We're just, I don't know what we're, <laughs> I don't know. We're dealing. I don't know if we're wheeling. Uh, you know, and also the scuttlebutt is that, you know, we signed Corey Snyder and that uh, Andy Green and Matt Martin have both agreed to play for the Islanders next year. They're not releasing any contract information and it could be because they don't have an actual contract at uh, this point in time and maybe uh old lou has said something like don't worry we're going to take care of you blah 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 basic frameworks of deals perhaps and uh you know that's you know that could be why that they're already signed but you know and i like andy green uh but we're gonna have to do some other things to free up some money i mean let me ask you a question right long-term injury which we could have totally dumped the salaries of Ladd and Boychuk and, you know, particularly those two. Was it worth activating them in the bubble to play one game or 
you know, two games as opposed to just leave them where they were injured at that point in time and just let it play out. Well, and again, to, to explain a little bit, a long-term injury is kind of a complex situation to talk about. I know our last, a few podcasts ago, I messed it up when I was speaking. I misspoke. Um, but with long-term injury, as long as you can prove that a player would miss 10 games during the regular season or they would miss, I think it's 24 calendar days in some capacity due to an injury, you can go ahead and move them to long-term injury and you can essentially get rid of that contract. Now, there's different points of time and there's different ways it does affect. So one of the ways, as long as you're over the salary cap before, I think it's like the day before the actual NHL season starts, you can activate or you can go ahead and utilize long-term injury. So it's going to be interesting to see how that might play effect as well, coming closer to the actual start of the season. If the Islanders haven't made any moves regarding freeing up some cap space and if they're still technically over the cap, because you are allowed that 10% cushion time period before the NHL regular season starts. Right. But like, particularly with Andrew Ladd, right? When was the last time he played for us before he played in the playoffs? I mean, I don't know. Well, six years ago, I don't was, know what it was. It was a long time. He he had been playing for Bridgeport this season. But yeah, but the whole thing is, it's hard to sell that he's NHL that he's not ready to play. You know, he's had how many knee injuries where you just could have said, you know what, he wasn't good enough to play. He wasn't healthy enough to play in the playoffs, and we could just say he failed his physical uh, in the fall, and then just dump him. I mean, I got no problem doing that. I, I'll tell you this, Grumpy. I don't think they go to doctors and say, hey, Dr. XYZ, we need you to fail. <laughs> Andrew Ladd's, we need Andrew Ladd to fail his physical. So put him through a rigorous one. I don't think that's how that goes. I think it's very easy to do that. He just doesn't pass a team physical, period. You don't pass. You're a crappy <laughs> player. You're a crappy player. You don't deserve to play. Uh, I don't like the way your knee looks. It looks a little funny. Fail the physical. I, long-term injury. Funny you mention that. I saw a shirt, and for the, the listeners and the viewers here on the live stream, it was grumpy old. It was the grumpy old man's birthday recently, and I saw a shirt that said it was. It was a funny shirt, and I sent the picture to the grumpy old man, and I wanted to get it for him so he could wear it on the podcast, but he said he wouldn't. But it was a picture of you know, like the rafters, a banner of number sixteen, which is Andrew Ladd's number, and over top of it, it said retire. <laughs> and I thought immediately of the grumpy old man and his dislike towards that contract that Andrew Ladd has. <laughs> Actually, that's a shirt I would. I know you did send me something, but I didn't really look at it. I thought it was just an Andrew Ladd jersey. I'm like, why the hell would I want an Andrew Ladd jersey? No, no, grumpy old man. No, it said retire over top oh. of it. That was that was the funny little that was oh. the funny play on it. It was like they're raising his number into the rafters, but on top of it, it said retire. That's something that I would wear, just to let you know. Grumpy. If anyone wants to send me those shirts, uh, just send them to TJ and he'll get them to me. <laughs> yeah, send them to me. We'll worry about where you know the address is and everything like that later. But grumpy old man, I was thinking about getting it, but now I'm glad we were able to clear it up. Maybe I'll go ahead and get it for a late belated birthday present there for you, grumpy old man. There you go. I, I do also want to talk about Josh Osang was signed. So he signed a one-year deal on a very, very, very you know minimal contract. Will he receive a chance with the Islanders this year? Who knows? Probably not, but I guess we'll find out. I don't understand the signing. I, I almost think they hate the kids so much that they just sign him to minimums just to just to torture him. Just to, You know what? We're not going to play you. We're not going to let you succeed anywhere else. We're just going to string you along. I just – well that, well, that being said, Grumpy Old Man, remember, we had talked about this before – the situation with 
Josh Hosang is so odd and unique because the New York Islanders organization let him play for another AHL affiliate this season, which makes no sense. Bridgeport struggled so much with scoring goals this year, just as the Islanders club and organization did too. In the same token, though, they loaned him out to another team. So I'm a little confused about that. I, I really don't know where he stands with the organization. I have no earthly idea. That that situation with Josh Hosang has perplexed me for the matter of really it, it, the, the perplexed how well how much I've been perplexed has increased over the last five years with his entire situation. When he was originally drafted, I understand showed up late, maybe character issues, but the way this new team and organization the way the new head coaching staff and general manager have handled Matt or uh, Josh Hosang has also confused me even more. They hate the kid. That's that's all I can say. They hate him. They're never going to give him a fair shake. I'll never forget the uh the first thing that uh Lamarell said about him. Well you know everyone gets a clean start clean uh start here fresh start here and you know, there have been rumblings about him. We haven't seen those, but we're going to send them down to let him work on those. What does that even mean? It, I, I'm just, I'm baffled by the whole thing. You never give the kid a shot. Absolutely never. And you play guys like Michael Del Cole. What does Michael Del Cole bring to the table? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What could this kid do? You know what he is? He's a creator. Who do we have? Matt Barzal is a creator. Do we have anyone else? Uh, no. No one else. It's just so frustrating. Well, it at, the level, at the level of Matt Barzal, sure. Matt Barzal's don't grow on trees, though. I mean, like, I think that over time, I think Brock Nelson has thrived. He's been more creative. No. And so is Anthony Bavillier. No. I'm going to tell you what. I was going to bring up Matt, uh, uh, Brock Nelson. He worked fantastic with Josh Hosang when they played together a couple of years ago. He They were they such because Hosang was the creator. Nelson's not a creator. And, you know, everyone knows my – quote unquote love for Croc Nelson. But you know what? He certainly earned his money last year. I'm not going to bag on him today, but he's not a creator. He's more of a shoot first guy. That's what he is. And I thought he was fantastic when he played with Hosang. And I just, I just, I just think they hate the kid. They're never going to give him a shot. I don't know why they signed him back. Like I said, it feels like punishment to me. And who knows? Maybe they'll loan him out somewhere else, like the Kazakhstan League. Who the heck even knows? Yeah, again, it's it was just very odd this season that they loaned him out to a different AHL affiliate instead of having a play in Bridgeport. I thought definitely his time here was done, but I guess not. They avoided arbitration. They signed him back. It'll be interesting, interesting to see if he gets any sort of chance or any sort of playing time during training camp and to see how that situation unfolds. Um, but I have a question for you. Where is he going to play? I mean, the team is already set for the most part, right? That's what happens when you have a whole bunch of old guys sign the long-term deals. The roster is set. Unless you move some of those guys, where is the where's the opportunity for young players to play on this team? Well, Grumpy, you've made the mistake. Josh Hosang is no longer young. <laughs> Josh Hosang has been sitting down in Bridgeport for so long. He's a guy who's right around, you know, entering the prime of his career. I mean, you don't enter the prime of your career at the age of 30 like you used to. Now it's about 27, 28 years old. How old is Josh Hosang now, Grumpy? It has been so long, and he's been a part of the organization for such quite a time. What is he, 23, 24 years old? He's starting yeah, okay. to yeah, the prime of his it, career. Yeah, but compared to the rest of the team, he is young. I mean, look at everybody else. They're all in their 30s. Past their prime. Let's give him a long-term deal. Let's sign back 32-year-old Matt Martin. 
that when we have an absolute plethora of bottom line guys in this organization, let's sign back Matt Martin. That sounds like a good deal. Let's we have Ross Johnson making a million per, but let's bring back Matt Martin. Why? Because Ross Johnson is young and he's shown he can play and fill that role. So let's sign back Matt Martin. That sounds like a smart move. <sighs> Grumpy old man. I sense a little bit. Was that a facetious tone there, Grumpy old man? Yeah, I, like I said, you know, need and I like Matt Martin. I mean, the women love Matt Martin. They they think he's beautiful. I mean, maybe that's it. I don't know. But here's the thing: the object is to win hockey games, and you know, we fourth liners don't win hockey games. Period. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt and intervene a little bit, Grumpy. He had a great playoff series, and that's why I feel like people are championing him for him. For him coming back. That's, that's why people are supporting that, right, Grumpy Old Man? If he had a poor playoff series this offseason or this uh, this bubble scenario, if he had a poor playoffs, I think people would have more than happily said, all right, time to move Ross Johnson and we don't have the cap space available. But because he performed so well in the playoffs, I think you see still that, that certain constituency of the outer fan base who wants to bring him back because they say – you see that right there? He performed as a fourth-line guy. We could still keep the fourth line together. It's still worth it and viable for us to do so. That's you know that's that's where I think people are coming from with that, Grumpy. They're stupid. What can I tell you? I mean, I'm, I'm saying it as nice as I possibly can. They're stupid. When You you said it right at the top. We have cap issues. Well, when you have cap issues, you know what? You shouldn't be wasting money on fourth-line guys who are past their peak when you have a your whole team is practically a fourth-liner. The whole team are third and fourth liners. That is our organization, third and fourth liners. I could see, okay, maybe you want to push it for a, I don't know, a first or a second line guy, but a fourth liner? That's the whole organization. We're the king of the fourth liners. Josh Bailey, king of the secondary assist, the New York Islanders, king of the third and fourth liners, king of the you know bottom six guys. That's us. And we just want to bring back a guy who's, for the most part, finished. And I like Matt Martin, great Islander. But you know what? Time passes everyone by. 32 years old. Maybe, you know what? You think they'll give him a six or a seven-year deal at $8 million per? I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, think, I, I am. But you know what? If you pay him a nickel, it's more money than that we need to invest. We don't have the cap space to sign Matt Martin back. Those are just facts. I think it's going to be a one-year deal. I know you got your little rant over grumpy old man. I tuned out there for a second. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I think it will be a short-term contract, just like Andy Green's. They're just—I feel like this is just trying to put a band-aid over until the next guy's ready. I, I, but it's a little different with Martin. I think they obviously feel that he still has something left in the tank. Um, I don't you know, care. Right, right or wrong, that's I feel like how the organization's looking at it. He performed well in the playoffs, and I think that's how they validate the decision they're going to make. Uh, that being said, grumpy old man. Well, hold on a second, because I'm getting ready to go back in the wayback machine. Branch Rickey, who used to be the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and I think he was still GM when they moved to Los Angeles, uh, he always used to say, it's better to get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late. And here's the thing. Toronto got rid of Matt Martin a year too late, and he's been here for three years. So what does it tell you about where he's at in his career? He's finished. I mean, we just have so many guys we could put in that spot. He's not indispensable. We don't have the cap money, but we're still signing guys like that. I don't I don't understand it. 
I, again, I don't disagree with the ideology, but in the same token, I, I displayed why I think people want to bring him back. I, you know my opinion, Grumpy. I think Ross Johnson does bring offensive acumen to the team. I think he he's a better fighter at this stage than Matt Martin. I think you know he's a younger guy. Obviously, he could play at a high or he can play at that high level that Ross and Matt Martin do with a lot of energy for a longer time period, right? Because they have fresher legs. He's a younger guy. That's just how it is. Um, that being you know, said, they're going to bring him back. And but you know what? You can bring uh, that's fine. You know what? You can bring him back for alumni games. That's when you can bring him back. I just don't want to see him on the regular roster. Leo Comrade, right? He's still on this team. That man can't even skate anymore. He can't stick handle and he can't skate. I mean, oh, he's great in the locker room. Well, you know what? The whole team, I think we have a fantastic locker room. We don't need the Leo Comrades, the Matt Martins, the Johnny Boychucks, the Andrew Lads, just the, uh, uh, the average Anders Lees. We don't need those guys anymore. Get new, fresh, young talent in this organization. Crumpy old man. He's back hitting the same beaten path he hits every podcast. You have to love it. He's the smartest himself. man in the room. I am the smartest man in the room. That's why. I, I want to talk and transition a little bit here, grumpy old man. And um, I can say one, one thing before. Now, you said, you know, you think Ross Johnson's a better fighter. Well, with this new uh, uh, with this new OHL rule possibly coming in for the next season, do you even need guys who can fight or throw a body? I don't know. I feel like now, Grumpy, and for people who aren't watching it, I pop up little tiny comments that people make, and Grumpy feels like he has to read it every single time. So I have to let him, I guess, finish his thought before he can say he is there. Yeah, don't, uh, folks, don't because his thing, TJ has this little – I think there's a little thing on the side where he gets to look at comments. But I don't, I'm not privy to that, people. I'm going to tell you right now. He doesn't trust me enough. To post comments, but when I see one flash, I, I find it funny actually. From uh, two minutes pessimistic, two minutes of pessimistic in there says Varlamov is a team translator, absolutely uh, true. Varlamov is the team therapist, and Martin is the team poster boy. Well, I think he's definitely the poster boy. I would say, Kamrov, I don't know if he's a therapist, maybe he's a team butcher or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> you know uh, well, I did want to kind of – I think it's important to transition a little bit, grumpy old man. You talk about the respect the Islanders and the organization gets, or the lack thereof is probably the better way to display this. Um, the NHL – or, yes, I think this is the NHL Network produced a list of defensemen. I think the top 25 defensemen they quoted in the league, and they said, you know, oh, vote for whoever you think the top 25 or whoever the best defenseman is. Go ahead and make a list. You know, trying to engage the fans. And – being a fan, I decided to look at the list. I thought to myself, you know, what defensemen are on this list? The Islanders have been, you know, two seasons ago were the best defensive team in the NHL, had the best goal hitting in the NHL, and last year, again, top 10 in the NHL in uh, goals against. So yeah. I figured that, you know, the Islanders, just with the track record they've had in the last two years, are going to have somebody on that list. You know, Ryan Pulak, he might be more of a household name than a guy like Pellick. But Adam Pellick, we saw the importance that he had and when he went out with the injury this year with Achilles. So you wondered, you know, which Islander would be on this list. To my dismay, there was not a single Islander on this list. And not really surprised, right? They never get any type of respect. Yeah. Not now, a single I, New York Islander defenseman on this list. Yeah. I, I like how TJ tried to sell this like his idea. Okay. What he didn't tell you was that I was the one who brought it to his attention and showed him the list, right? Okay, uh, you know, TJ, uh, here's the thing. I don't care about credit. 
I don't care about kudos. But don't blatantly lie and say it was your idea, like you were looking it up, like all of a sudden you were paying attention to what's going on with the Islanders. And I know a lot of people think I hate the Islanders because I'm negative all the time. It's because I love the Islanders so much I'm negative. But here's the thing. The NHL Network, more morons. Okay, let's be honest, right? You don't have an Islander which the whole identity of the team is to play defense. The whole identity of the team. Leonard uh, was a finalist for the Vesna two years ago, right? Gave up the we won the Jennings Trophy. Uh, isn't that what it is? Jennings, Jennings, Jennings Trophy is for the best goalie tandem. So Grice right. and, and Leonard did win the Jennings Trophy, right? right? And this year we slipped a little bit, but still. I mean, look at some of the guys that Ryan McDonough. P.K. Subban? I mean, you got to be kidding me. P. I mean, the P.K. Subban one was definitely a head-scratcher. I mean, what's your case for him? Do you, do you just think that, yeah, P.K. is such a rock back there on defense that the – that I don't know what his plus-minus is, but the Devils do not play great defense. Maybe they're blaming goaltending for – again, I don't know. I think it's the name. P.K. Subban used to be a big-name guy there for Nashville, and I think that's the only reason he got included on that list. Sure, he was a cover boy. He was on the cover of, I think, an NHL game. I don't remember which one, They put but him he was on, on the cover. Yeah, they put him on there because people know who he is. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not for his level of play, which I think has been subpar. As a matter of fact, the last couple of years in Montreal, he was terrible defensively as a defenseman, but, and he was no great chase in Nashville, and now he's with the Devils. I mean – Right, it's a crime that Ryan Pulak was not on that pairing. I'll be honest with you. And I put up, I put Adam Pelican there, but I could see why he doesn't get the respect because he's a defensive defenseman. But Pulak should have been on there for certain. The number one defenseman on one of the top five defensive teams in the league. You can't figure find one Islander to put on the top twenty-five defenseman in the league. I mean, come on. I mean. I could see if you say, okay, no Islanders are within the top 25 offensive players. If the top 100 offensive players in the league, with the exception of Matt Barzell, you could say that. But no defensemen? Please, give me a break. Grump, I want to interrupt you too. Um, Ivan Provorov, again, I'm not a Flyer fan, but I think Provorov had a very, very good season this year. And you can make a case that he should be on that list too. It was definitely some questionable players, and there was definitely some notable guys left off the list. But it's not like this is the first time the Islanders have had players that I think should be on this list or should be in contention to be a top 25 guy in the NHL have been left off. I mean, look at Matt Barzal last offseason. They did the same exact thing. Who were the top 25 centers in the league? And Matt Barzal wasn't included on the list. The top 25 centers in the NHL, Matt Barzal wasn't included on the list. I, I get it. He does have occasional defensive lapses, and he overstick handles sometimes, thinks he can go God mode. And the same token should be a top 25 guy, top 25 center in the league, in my opinion. Okay. Connor McDavid. Uh, where was he? Number one on that list, right? Probably number one. He yeah. doesn't play defense either. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Don't make excuses. He should have been on the top 25 centers. He absolutely should have. And But they have a bias. They, the Islanders get absolutely no respect. Absolutely none. And I think I think the biggest reason why the Islanders don't get any respect is because they don't have any of those real household name type guys. If you had a guy, and I'm talking, I think Matt Barzal can be one of those guys, 
but they don't score enough points on offense to be a team that warrants a lot of household names. If they were a team that scored a lot of goals, I think you'd have more guys that were household names, even on the defensive side of the puck. If they gave up more goals on the defensive side of the puck, but they scored more on the offensive side of the puck, and you saw defensemen putting up more gaudy numbers and video game-esque type numbers, I think you'd see that. But the fact that they don't really push a lot towards the offensive side of the puck, they care more about defensive structure, and that helps them win games in a very trot system. I think that that's the reason we don't have a lot of household name guys. I mean, we might have a goalie. I mean, with Sorokin, I think he has a chance to be one of those household name guys because if he plays the way he did in the KHL and he plays the way Robin Leonard did or replicates those numbers or comes close to it, I think he has a chance to be a household name guy if we keep him with the Islanders for a long term. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm going to pump the brakes on Sorokin until I actually see him play in the NHL. So, uh, you know, it would be great if he turns out to be that. But like I said, I'm an Islander homer. But, you know, here's the thing. I can see the forest for the trees. And, you know, here's the thing. I hate Prokhorov. Provorov. Yeah, whatever. Like I said, it doesn't matter what his name is. He's not important enough for me to remember his name. Ivan Provorov is a good defenseman, Grumpy. I'm going to stop you there. I know you don't like the Flyers, so I'm not going to let I, you disparage. I, I, I do. I hate the Flyers. But he actually did have a pretty good year this year. Yeah. But if you're going to tell me that he's just as good as uh, Ryan Pulak, I'm going to tell you you're absolutely incorrect. Absolutely incorrect. They don't play good enough defense in Philadelphia. I'm sorry. And he's not that, uh, he's not that great of an offensive defenseman. He's I, their best defenseman, but the Flyers suck on defense. I hate the Flyers. Oh, Grump. Uh, now, okay, if you're keeping your checklist at home, bingo. You know, Grumpy is checking off all the things he usually talks about. The hatred of the Flyers, the team needing to get younger, the mishandling of cap space. You just go, check, 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 check. We're almost at bingo, Grumpy, but I'm going to change the subject. <laughs> I'm going to change the subject for us, Grumpy old man. Here's the thing. First of all, you brought up the Flyers, guy. You know it's a trigger for me, right? You know, like they say, you know, that uh, people who have certain issues, you know, there's certain triggers. Talking about the Flyers is a flat-out trigger for me. Don't do it. Unless you want to hear about me blast the Flyers, don't trigger me. Crumpy old man. I, I, I Again, I know it would trigger you, but in the same token, I thought his name should have been on the list. That's all. My personal opinion. And there were other people who agree with me online. I thought he should have been on the list. That's all. Um, that being said, I want to talk a little bit about the OHL. So I don't know who's in charge of making the rule change for this season. I, you know, it was some special title they have of health. I don't know. Long story short, the Ontario Hockey League is not going to be checking at all this season during the regular season. Now, it definitely, it's it's big news. It's big news. Yeah, they're not going to be checking in any capacity because they want to try to slow the uh, the exposure to COVID. So they're going to be avoiding physical contact and checking. Okay. Before I let you continue and certain people spoke up, I, you, your first question was, you don't know who's in charge of the Ontario hockey. It's Peter Pansy is in charge of the Ontario hockey league. No, it's not. It, it wasn't. It was somebody who was a health official made this determination in Ontario care. and it affected the Ontario hockey league is what happened. I think they're just trying to push for the wussification of hockey. That's what I think. Now you sound a little bit like John Scott. John Scott came out there and he had the same exact thought process as you, grumpy old man. John Scott actually has a podcast now, actually pretty entertaining podcast. Um, that being said, he talked about it, right? If you're going to have no checking in hockey, and Scott Mayfield also brings up this point, you're not going to avoid people trying to take the puck away from the puck handler. 
they're still going to try to go ahead and confront the puck handler and they're going to try to take the puck away. So now instead of a clean body check to where you hit a guy to the ground possibly or nudge him off the puck, now you're going to have a cluster of human beings that are going to be against each other on the boards trying to take the puck away, breathing right near each other. If you watch female hockey, and I usually watch it around the Olympic time period, grumpy old man, they don't have checking also. But what you see is a lot of times you see a large congregation of females along the boards trying to win the puck, and they're all within a closed space, right? And so in other words, like the B thing, like, oh, chase the puck. You mean I can't watch women's hockey? Grumpy, stop. Anyway, no. before you get – stop, grumpy. You know what it's like? It's like watching peewee hockey where they're not allowed to check still, and you see the puck goes to the board, and they all just swarm around. And again, I'm not saying everybody's going to swarm around. But you're not going to see a body check dislodge the puck from a player anymore. So now you're going to see, you know, a possible prolonged exposure there with the other player. I just necessarily didn't get the ruling that we have to say no body checking. And I wonder if that's going to affect other leagues like, you know, the WHL as well as the Quebec Major Juniors too. I wonder how that's going to affect those leagues. Well, to me, all the leagues would have to agree because they're not going to change the rules to the Memorial Cup. That's going to say, oh, well, Ontario Hockey, the Ontario Hockey League of all the leagues, you know, if, if I thought anyone was going to say no contact, it was probably the Quebec Major Juniors, right? I mean, they don't hit anybody anyway. But, I mean, you know, I mean, to say that they're not going to allow hitting, I mean, it's, it's just it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, what type of exposure do you think you're going to have with contact? I mean, the NFL, right? Every single – there's every single play, there's guys hitting one another. You're not seeing them get COVID from other players. It's well, okay. the guys getting it from home and bringing it in. Okay, stop, stop, Trump. You have no idea where it's coming from, so don't pretend like you do. I'm not gonna, stop, 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 stop. Nobody – I'm not, not going to pretend getting, like we know where the COVID's bad. coming from the NFL. I don't even think it's a – I don't even think it's worth bringing up, Grumpy. The biggest thing for me, though, is you mentioned it, right? You're talking about how they're kind of changing the gear of the sport. John Scott brought this up, too, and I want to get back to the point you made. He said the people who have pushed for anti-contact, anti-fighting are going to get their way, right? They're going to have this year in the OHL where they don't have it. And what they're going to do is they're going to bring up the amount and the lack of concussions this year, which is good, right? You don't want to have concussions in sports. If you can avoid those, that's optimal. In the same token, John Scott also brings up you're going to have them championing this where there's no concussions and they're saying, let's continue this maybe. And I could definitely see it. Maybe it's not an immediate push, but I could see them bringing up the season and they're saying, look at the player safety, look at the health, look at the benefits the players have and the longevity of their career. So you might see a push there for no contact and, and some capacity. And you're going to see those people who like that idea pushing for that harder after this season in the Ontario Hockey League. You know what else you're going to see? No viewership because people like the physicality of the game. They love the physicality of the game. And Point two, I heard that uh, Brian Boitano and Scotty Hamilton uh, still have some years of eligibility, so they're going to come back. Since there's no hitting, figure skaters are going to play in the NHL, right, or play in the Ontario Hockey League. Come on. Come on. Give me yeah, a break. I definitely – I didn't understand it. Hopefully it does change. I think it. I think the reason why they said the Ontario Hockey League is going to be no checking and it's just going to be the regular season. So I guess by the time the postseason occurs, they can go ahead and hit. But you, I'm talking about an overarching theme too, Grumpy Old Man. It is going to be that much tougher to scout the Ontario Hockey League. Absolutely. But think about what you just said. You're not allowed to check during – the regular season, but you can check in the postseason. Well, okay, let me ask you a question. 
Is it about COVID then? Or is it just that the, they want to wussify the sport? They think people don't want – they want to grow the sport, and they figure the way to grow it is to turn the guys into a bunch of little uh, Peter Panzaludis, you know, who, no, we don't want any physical contact. We don't want this. People watch hockey for the physicality. They love it. I'm going to tell you again. Any hockey – you put even uh, somebody who says that they don't like violence, you put them in an NHL arena, and you see a fight, everybody, including them, stands up and goes wild. People love that stuff. They absolutely love it. Don't take it out of the game. I mean, we've already taken most of the hitting out of the game. No open ice hits, right? We're not going to do that. Oh, anytime that there's a, a body check, we got to start a fight, right? That's the next thing to go, right? Oh, no more fight. open ice hits, right? Are Maybe you guys fight? Up. Are you going to let guys fight? Are they allowed to fight? What happens if they fight? Can you do that? What if they spit on their knuckles? Are they going to say, oh, that's COVID? I mean, it's just ridiculous. The, the, the whole premise of we're going to let you – not body check in the regular season, but let you body check in the postseason. I'm going to have to stop you. They haven't made a ruling on what they're going to do in the postseason. This was just for the regular season. They might allow body check in the postseason. They might not. I have no idea. Right? I could tell you the exact verbiage was there was no body checking for the regular season. And that's really all they can control. Grumpy, I told you about this, right? People do not like the fisherman jersey, right? I was going to watch until I saw that jersey. Ditch the fish already. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, people either love the fisherman jersey or they hate it. And here's a perfect example. John, not a big fan of the fisherman jersey. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. Uh, John Scaglione. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of – like I said, I love logos. I'm a sucker for a good logo. And I just think – any logos. I mean, you look at a jersey, right? I mean, it's part of the reason I think NHL uh, jerseys are the best out of all the sports teams. Uh, oh, sports leagues, the major four. It's NHL is number one. Uh, number two is Major League Baseball. Uh, number three, I guess, is basketball. Who cares? And uh, football, you know, they don't have any logos on their jersey, so how good could they be? I mean, well, what, I think, I, yeah, I, think I think that the NHL logos are probably the most creative logos that are out there. We're a little biased, of course. We're big NHL fans. Uh, that being said, and you get some really interesting logos in the bottom tiers. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say the bottom tiers, but even like in juniors and everything like that, you get really creative logos. So I do like – I've always liked the Fishman logo. I understand that. But I just wanted to bring it up because John made that comment, and I said, yep, there are people who love and hate that jersey grumpy, and I wanted to show you. And I remember the hockey news every year used to have the best uh, – and they might even still do it. I don't know. But since they've gone away from the paper magazine to the digital magazine, I no longer get it. Uh, but I used to love the issue where they would have the top uh, amateur, uh, like minor league logos. I remember the Manitoba Moose winning one year. Uh, and they were just cool. And they drank all the logos. It was great. I love that. Like I said, I'm a sucker for a good logo. <laughs> A grumpy old man. You definitely are. So the OHL definitely that was that was big news. Um, I, I will be interested to see how maybe the Western Hockey League and the Quebec Major Juniors also go ahead and follow in suit if they do. Um, but I, I do want to bring up it is going to be very very tough to scout that league. You're going to have players who are smaller players that are going to feel more emboldened. They're going to they're going to enter zones usually they wouldn't enter because they know they can't be hit or body checked. Yeah. So I mean, you're definitely you're going to see that happen more often, and it's the bigger players that might rely a little bit more on physical play to get by. They can body players off the puck. They can throw the check around. They can be physically imposing. Those players are definitely going to have a big part of their game that they utilize on a consistent night to night basis, taken out of their repertoire. So it's going to be tough for them too. 
Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I mean, I think you're seeing that change in the NHL over the last number of years. You look at how many smaller players are able to play who would not have been able to play uh, in the NHL years ago because they were just too small and couldn't handle the physicality. It was a man's game back in the day, a real man's game. I'm not saying it's not a man's game now, but, I mean, uh, a real man's game back then where you, if you were small, you had to be physical too. Theo Fleury, right? I mean, Marshawn is a guy who could play in any year because, I mean, he's a nasty, chippy little uh, – I'm not going to curse. But I was going to say, Groupie, if we were not on that podcast, I'm sure that would have flowed – that sentence would have been – Absolutely. It would have been much more flowery. Absolutely. Uh, but I restrained myself. Um, and But, you know, those guys could play in any year as smaller players. But you look at some of the other guys, like the figure skaters out there, um, I mean, they wouldn't have been able to hack it in the olden days. I mean, the Sedins, as great a players as they were, uh, you put them back 20 years ago, they don't have anywhere near the success that they that they did later, um, you know, when they played in the uh, 90s and 2000s and 2010s. We got a comment here from Gregory also saying that sweater represents an absolute low point in Islanders history. You know, I think, I think it's people hate the logo because it was the beginning of the Millberry era. It really was. It was Millberry. There was the issue there with um, also the team, the transition. There was a lot of issues with that logo. So now, I don't want to tell you, but I believe the original Islander logo was drawn drawn up by like a fifteen year old of some uh, somebody in the Islander organization. They just wh- whipped it up. And thought, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Can anybody really say that this is not a good, lo- a cool looking logo? If it wasn't the Islanders, would you say, hey, that logo was pretty neat? I think the logo is neat. Again, it's the time period that's associated with it, as Gregory says, and that's why people don't like it. Uh, John also says, gentlemen, in my opinion, Bettman has been turning the NHL into the NBA format since day one. Took all the tradition out of the league. Now no hitting on the horizon is a possibility. Uh, they might be working that in. I could see that. And he says, I miss the old divisions and conferences. It's about tradition. Right. It's like, and um, uh, John, I don't know if he listens to the listen to the previous podcast, but we talked about that with the possible – uh, solution for next year where the teams only play within their division, so to speak, you know, 18 divisions except for the Canadian division, which would be seven. And I, that, he is 100% right with the old divisions and conferences where you played those teams six, seven times a season. Man, that you get some real hatred of playing teams like that. People think the Islander Ranger games are hate-filled now. It's mostly the fans. It's not the players anymore. It's mostly the fans. But I'm going to tell you what, back then, there was real hatred between those organizations. And like I said, I hated the Flyers, hated the Rangers, you know, all those teams. Because we used to play them on, what do they say, familiarity breeds contempt. And certainly that's what I had for those teams back then, and I still do. Yeah, Grobeal, man. Again, I, I do agree. I think this could actually rebuild some really, really fierce rivalries that we used to have back in the day. If you're able to play a team for an extended time period, more than we usually play them on a year-to-year basis, I think you're going to see that bad blood creep its way back in hockey. And that makes it so much more enjoyable for the fans to watch. And I think it's much easier for the players to become immersed in the situation they're in, too, when they have that bad blood. Man, they, they're just... Man, they got that feeling, you know, oh, I'm rubbing my hands. I can't wait till we play the Rangers. I can't wait till we play the Devils, things like that. You know what I mean? You have that bad blood and water. It's just good. It was a big deal back in the day. It was a man. You knew you everyone. Everyone in my neighborhood knew when the Islanders and the Rangers were playing. We get into fights before the games. After school, we get into fist fights before games. 
just waiting for that game that night. Oh, man, it was real hatred. It was fantastic. What makes sports great. And two minutes of pessimistic, he said, also agree with the NBA-ification of the NHL. They should rename the divisions to honor, not geographical locations. And that's that's one thing for a lot of young fans. I don't feel like they know that the old divisions used to be in honor of certain players. You know what I mean? It's not like it was today where it's the Metro and, you know, for younger fans, I wonder if they even know about how the divisions were aligned back in the time period earlier on. No, most of the younger fans don't think anything existed before the year 2000. <laughs> as soon as the millennium changed, well, that's when the world started. No, I hate to tell you, there was a lot of years before then. The old, the Norris division used to be known as the black and blue division. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you had the, we were in the Patrick division named after Lester Patrick and old Islander, the Smythe division, uh, like I said, the Norris division. I mean, it, it yes, you brought it up, Grumpy, and two minutes yep. sticking was typing and posted the same exact thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was fantastic. I can tell you all the teams were in those divisions, and guess what? They had no geographical uh, – I mean, we were geographical in those divisions. You were geographically aligned, but it wasn't like the division yeah, named after their geographical location. That's right. Yeah, the good old days, man. I really love them. And, you know, it's funny. You would you'd always see, like, the season in review. I used to love the season review. I used to get, um, you know, when I had satellite dish and before they charge you for every single thing that you get, I was able to watch some old sports channels on, uh, like, from the Midwest. And uh, you'd, they'd show the highlight show, and it was mostly brawls, battles between, uh, you know, St. Louis and Chicago, and you had to go to get to the finals. You had to go through your division first. They had the division winners and then the final four in those divisions. They had that for a period of time. And that was great because, I mean, you knew those opening rounds were going to be hell on wheels because everyone hated everyone else. It was a great time for hockey. It really was. Yeah, and I hope, I hope we get a little bit of that taste back with this season, you know, we've got it. They have a chance, right? Everything's jumbled up. Everything's changing. You have a chance to go ahead and make sure you separate yourself from other sports leagues. I think bringing back, if they do decide to go ahead and play only in certain hubs and you can only play within a certain region, I think if they load up the schedule with those games, it might be advantageous, obviously, for some, if they're in a poor division in a poor area, the teams around them are good. Obviously it's going to benefit them in the same token. Um, it is really going to breed contempt amongst those teams. Yeah, and that's the way I like it. I love it like that. I love it where the players hate one another. I mean, they would go up – They in the olden days, they would go up and they wouldn't even talk to the other players. They wouldn't even talk to them. You were the enemy. I love that. It was like war. And that's the way it should be. Well, I think with players getting paid more now – and, you know, the, the sense of community that you receive around professional sports in general, grumpy old man, that that's changed a little bit. That's all. Well, it, another reason is player movement. Yes. Uh, free agency that. as well. Yeah. Free agency. Uh, OK. It hasn't killed sport. And I'm not saying that guys don't deserve to play where they want after a certain amount of time. But there was something to say, you know, you were an Islander or you were a Ranger or you were a Bruin. You were a Bruin for life. And. You just they just didn't unless they traded you, you were going nowhere. So you you had played with the same guys against the same guys every year, and you just hated them. It was it was fantastic. It was fantastic. You know, I love to go back on YouTube and just watch the old day, some of the old gays, and just see the fights and the brawls. It was great. It was great. I love it to this day. I love it still. 
<laughs> and so does everybody who watches, regardless of what they tell you to your face. Mm. Grumpy old man. Um, well, there was one other piece of uh, NHL news, or I guess hockey news. Uh, Mitchell Miller, the fourth-round draft pick from the Arizona Coyotes, um, had the bullying and harassment issue that came up, and it, it reared its head there in his life and what he had he had done. And, and it kind of uh, – well, I guess they, they released the rights to him. The Arizona Coyotes released the rights to this player, uh, Mitchell Miller. And to give you a little bit of the background, grumpy old man, and again – to say this, we I definitely do not, and I'm sure the grumpy old man do not condone any of the actions that this young man did. Um, but I think it's important to understand a little bit about the situation, right? Mitchell Miller is an 18 year old kid who uh, I think I don't remember who he I don't remember the man of the young man or the name of the young man who he harassed, but he um, he bullied him. He used I think racial epithets at this young man. It was a black disabled child. And he also uh, bullied him. I think they rubbed a piece of candy on a urinal and they tricked this this young boy into eating an obviously disgusting behavior from a person. Um, and, you know, he had to serve 25 hours of community service and write an apology letter. Um, in the same token, I think it's also important to add that uh, Mitchell was, I think, 14 years old at the time period in eighth grade. So, again, hate that he did that. I think it's an awful, awful thing to do you hope he's contrite about it but that's just an example of doing something like that even when you're 14 years old i mean it's affected possibly his future career and aspirations well what does it tell you right you know i'm sure your parents told you don't do stupid crap when you're younger because you can come back and hurt you well you're seeing that so treat others as you'd like to be treated and again yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't believe in you know we shouldn't have bullied the kid i don't here's the thing who knows if that happened or not? I have no idea. Got, I know they have the bowling incident on videotape, and that's why he had to go to juvenile court about it. And and then you know, in the notes, the the I think it was the judge said that he did not seem contrite with what he did at the time period. But you know, you hope you have the, the players had some sort of personal growth. I mean, he was 14 years old. He's 18. He's still a kid. He's not even an adult yet. You hope he's had growth from the age of 14 to 18, though. Yeah, like I said. Before you rudely interrupted me, DJ, once again, uh, I don't know what's true and what's not. Uh, I don't, you shouldn't be bullying people, period, uh, if you, you know, could all avoid it. Uh, you shouldn't be using ra racial epithets, period, either. Yeah, but the whole thing is he was 14 years old. And if you want to start treating people for things that they do when they're a child, and have them affect, I mean, it sounds like, so he got, and he did community service. So I guess, you know, it was proven he did something. Yes, um, he did. So, okay, but he did his time. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, you give somebody a second chance. And if he's kept his nose clean since then, I don't know why they drop him. Or the bigger question is, why did you draft him? So I guess you aren't doing your job as an organization. If it's this offensive to you, why did you draft him to begin with? So, I mean, was there public backlash? Did it come out after the fact? Well, that, well, that's the thing, grumpy old man. I believe that the kid who he had harassed made a post about it saying, you know, everybody loves him. How was he drafted? This kid used to bully me. And I think that's what caused the Coyotes to do a little bit more research. It shows you one of two things. He, they were obviously inept on doing their research beforehand. If this well, they're something well, they're a gutless organization, one of the two. Because if the kid, if the kid is straightened out and gotten his life back in order – 
and hasn't done anything like that and has maybe, you know, done something to change the perception of himself since then, you should get a second chance and you shouldn't let some post from somebody from four years ago affect your decision. I mean, it they, wasn't a post. Known this. they had to have known this before they drafted him. It wasn't a post from four years ago. It was a post just recently. And that's what caused the media and everything to get looking back into this. And I think I'm not sure if it was a more of a reactionary move to what the post obviously brought to light what he had done. Uh, but you see stuff like this a lot of times, right? I mean, like, it, again, don't support any of the things he did. Obviously, they're awful, awful things. I mean, I was bullied as a kid. You don't like being bullied. Nobody. And again, like bullying comes in all different forms. But at 14 years old, think about it. Maybe the kid hadn't even hit puberty yet. Maybe Mitchell hadn't even hit puberty. He was in the process of hitting puberty. I'm not giving him defenses or anything like that. But you hope in four years his mindset has changed. If he did say that and believed what he said or did those type of actions and bullied this kid, you hope four years later he's had some sort of personal growth from the age of 14 to 18. Yeah, if he didn't have personal growth, why did you draft him? If he did have personal growth and it's changed, you know, but here's the thing. He did his time. He did his time. It's about giving – here's the thing. It's not even a second chance. You're just giving a kid a first chance. I mean, and just because somebody – something happened to somebody four years ago and then they're obviously pissed off that this guy's having success and he gets drafted to the NHL to bring this back up. Like I said, I don't know anything about this kid. Absolutely nothing. But, you know, it's a gutless reaction of the organization – they should have come out with a statement. First of all, they should have interviewed this person and talked to him, and these things should have come up. Don't tell me that they didn't know about it before they drafted him, if you have, if you had uh, any type of runs with police or anything like that. Right? I want to tap in, Grumpy. I want to talk about the system, right? Even when you're talking about getting on the level of being recruited in the NFL and how proactive and how into the into your information they are. And again, I know there are a lot a lot of prospects also in the NHL preparing for that draft process, but they ask you some of the craziest questions. You know, what type of surgeries have you had? You know, when where were you in your second birth? The most ridiculous things. I promise you, the Arizona Coyotes organization knew about this beforehand. I promise you, if they didn't, that's a whole different level of neglect and ineptitude. I promise you they know about this beforehand. And, and what? They still thought it was okay to draft them until this post came up. And I think they received a little bit of media backlash and they determined to go ahead and part ways with the prospect. They didn't want to go ahead and take the backlash. But I promise you, I do not give them or the organization, the Arizona Coyotes, the benefit of the doubt that they didn't know about this. I don't buy that at all. Yeah. And that's just part of that's just the cancel culture that we live in, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. And like I said, if this kid, and I'm going to preface it again, I don't know anything about him. He could be a bad guy. I don't know. He could be. He, a he could guy. just be a terrible person, but he could be a good person. It's changed. Right. Just like I said, when you're doing things, when you're holding people accountable for their future based on something that they did when they were a child, I just think that's a big mistake. And just to, like I said, not even give this kid a chance. I just think is uh, it's, it just sets a bad precedent. I mean, honestly, who's to say, you know, anyone can post anything about anyone if it just means. And I just think the organization was gutless for not saying anything but just renouncing the kid. It just, you know, well, not the organization, on their part. the organization, that's wrong. The organization did say this is a learning experience for Mitchell. 
I, again, they also claimed, I believe, and again, if I'm recalling this correctly, hold on, Grumpy. If I'm recalling this correctly, they also said that they, you know, with the coronavirus and COVID-19, that the scouting staff have issues and all this other stuff. They're just saying that they slipped through the cracks. I'm not they're lying. They're lying. They're liars. They're an absolutely lying organization. Absolutely, they're liars. Okay. I don't believe them for a second, number one. And for a learning experience from it, you know what the learning experience was? When he went before the judge and the judge punished him. That's the learning experience. It's not the learning now you can't get a job because you did something when you were – what if you did something – what if you uh, spit on somebody when you're seven years old? Does that mean they – oh, he was so mean to me when I was seven. It's just ridiculous that you're holding adults responsible for things they did when they were teenagers or uh, children. I mean children, right? No, I, I and, also, and I'm not, I'm not saying he should have done what he did, but the boy should at least get a chance to play. They shouldn't just say, sorry, you did something when you were 14, and now you're never going to get a chance to do that. I just, I think the organization is gutless, and they're liars, too. If they say they didn't know about this, about the kid, they're lying. They're flat-out lying. I feel like I just have to let you get it all out because you're going to keep repeating it. I got it, Crumpy. Yeah. We got it. I, I understand. That being said, to backtrack a little bit, last note on the subject because I don't think it's that important that we continue mentioning. It's not necessarily Islanders-related. That being said, shouldn't have done what he did. But in the same token, you hope he's had personal growth. And if you thought he's had personal growth, because I promise you they knew about this situation beforehand. They knew about this, the sentence he had there in juvenile court. I promise you the Arizona Coyotes organization knew about that in some capacity. If you did and you thought he had grown, you know what I mean? You present it like that. He made these bad actions in the past. But in the same token, uh, you know, he's grown. You know, he doesn't have the same uh ideas there, you know, where he's using racial epithets. He understands, acknowledges that's wrong. And he doesn't also want to go ahead and abuse a, a disabled boy by making him eat a piece of candy that was rubbed on a urinal, right? I mean, that's awful. But if he's had growth, you know, you hope that what he had done when he was 14 years old in the eighth grade was not going to affect him later on down the road. But again, it comes back to the central point. Treat others like you would like to be treated. Okay. I'm just going to bring up one thing. Antonio Brown, who Last year, had a chance to play for the Patriots, and he wound up that he was threatening a woman via text. He just signed a contract last week to play in the NFL. Talent trumps all. And I just I just find it just a little disingenuous that this, this young man I, – I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about him. But he's not even given a first chance where you got guys like Antonio Brown have been given second, third, and fourth chances, right? Punch. He got into a fist fight with his general manager while he was in Oakland. But these guys continue to get chances. I mean, I just think there's kind of hypocrisy where if this kid was really good, a really good player, it wouldn't matter. That's that's. I guess that's the thing that bothers me. I wouldn't say it wouldn't matter, but they would definitely look past it and try to find a way to keep him. If, that was, if, that was, if he was a first overall pick, they would say, obviously, this is terrible, but he's grown so much as a person, and they'd go ahead and do anything they could to, to try to cover up the PR. And but I think you're right, right? Talent talent does trump all. You see a lot of guys who do crazy things, and, and this is the last we'll mention about it because I don't want to go off on a tangent. But Clay, I think his name is Clay Webb from the University of Georgia, five-star recruit, uh, center. You know, He has allegations and is being sued because he had – uh, ejaculated in the Gatorade bottle and tricked a, another player on his high school team into drinking it when he was 17, 16 years old, right? Georgia just kind of sweeps a little bit under the rug. He's still, on the, he's still on the team in some capacity. I mean, it came up. It was being written about in articles. But in the same token, 
you know, it, it didn't receive it as much as the national news as this one did. And that was also, it happened, I think, a year ago. But stuff like this happens across the board in all different sports. And the biggest thing is, has the player grown and has the person grown as a human being? But that's that's the last I'll mention about it, Grumpy. Yeah, I'm just I'm just say one last thing about the organization is if it was, I don't know, who's the best player on that team? It wouldn't matter to them. I just and that's Oliver, that let's, say, let's say Oliver Ekman Larson. So. Yeah, I just I, I yeah, but anybody, it doesn't matter. But I just think organizations, if a player's good enough, they cover for the player. They didn't cover for this kid for whatever reason, probably just because he's not good enough anyway. And I just think that's that's just weak as an organization. So because if if a guy was if a guy was really good, it wouldn't matter. Like you said about that other kid, all that stuff. So many. Okay, first of all, athletes are not regular people. They're not regular people. They get away with a lot more stuff than regular people do because they are athletes. And that's just the way it is. I mean, and you see how they're treated in society like gods pretty much, right? And, you know, that's why they get away with stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's a shame, but it, it is what it is. And unfortunately for this kid, he got caught in the crosshairs. That's that. Well, hopefully he he puts together himself. I can't remember where he's going to college. Hopefully he puts together a successful college career and he could show teams, you know, once he gets close to completing his college that, you know, he has grown as a person. He's done every single step he can to show that those actions he made when he was 14 years old do not represent who he is today as a human being. And that's the best case scenario for him. Uh, now, they've but, renounced his draft rights. They have renounced his rights. Well, I'm going to guarantee he won't sign with Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> that much like you can book that. Yeah, I I don't think he'll sign with them anytime. But that's not. I don't talk about that anymore. Please. Yeah, grumpy. I was about to say you're getting a little heated over there. Uh, anyway, I hate the standard the teams use with certain players. That's all. Uh, anyway, grumpy old man. I know we're kind of wrapping things up here today. About an hour and ten minutes into the podcast, grump. Is there anything else you want to say? No. Hopefully, there'll be some good Islander news next week. Like maybe we'll I don't know make a move. <laughs> Foolish me to think that, but that's what I hope. Because, you know, every week that goes on, my prediction gets more and more true. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. It'll be interesting to see for sure, but thank you again for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And thank you so much to the guys who participated here on the live stream, made plenty of comments here for us and uh, participated. And thank you so much, guys, for listening. We do appreciate it. We love it. I know we're in the offseason, but we love talking the Islanders. We love talking NHL. We love talking sports, even in the offseason. So thank you so much, guys, who did participate here in the live stream. And thank you, grumpy old man. Thank you.